This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and ClearPay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. I'm joined today by Ryan McCaffrey, Dan Stapleton, Greg Miller. Domo! And we're talking about XCOM, more specifically, the Bureau, XCOM Declassified. There you go. As it's called now. Not as catchy a title as just XCOM. The more appropriate. Probably. Uh, this is the uh, the latest edition of XCOM that has gone through some changes. <laughs> the final iteration, we think, because over the it's years, knock on wood. Yeah, it's this supposed the, to be out in August. <laughs> the version, wood. yeah, that was announced in 2010. Announced. Right? And Who knows Ryan, when it started development? Ryan, you you brought a yeah, uh, I, the, a prop I mean, here, a visual yeah, aid. Mm-hmm. I I wrote. I was one of the first people to get to see the original version of this game. I wrote this cover story back in. Uh, let's see, this was the. June 2010 issue, which means I probably wrote it in about March. Right. Ryan came to us from a magazine, magazine. Times, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, for, the viewers, for the youngins at home, this is a magazine <laughs> where people used to get video game information. This is made of paper. Oh, man. Al- they're advertising Alan Wake in there. Yeah. Looking at old video game magazines is so awesome. Yeah. It's just it's a snapshot of a very specific time, no matter where you are. And you're like, oh, I can't believe this game. And you're like, oh, I can't believe we used oh. to be excited for this <laughs> game. And it's like, totally <laughs> rights, retribution, whatever I happened. I don't know! <laughs> Anyway, we Greg and I saw you know demos of the previous version when it was just XCOM, and most more recently, you two have both seen the new version. Yeah, we got to play the Bureau XCOM. We both, <laughs> yeah, we both played the Bureau, the, yeah. the game that is coming out mm-hmm. finally. And uh, Dan wrote about it because mm-hmm. I'm lazy. Yeah, so check that out on IGN right now. But so now there's a lot of talk about you know. Some people actually prefer the way the game looked in 2010. Yeah, if you watch our, uh, we had a, 2K Marin gave us a really good, cool opportunity. 
we went up there, we filmed a bunch of interviews, and they gave us the only publicly released footage uh, of the original versions of the game. The, the 2010 version, that's, uh, that's that one, and then the 2011 <coughs> version that was very brothers in armsy. It was still first person, but had all the, like, the sort of hand commands like, you go over there, rally up on me, all this stuff. Mm. And uh, what was my train of thought? It's You're gone just, now. <laughs> Am I recapping? That's, that's yeah. what the problem is with this XCOM game, is that no, it's, it's too hard to keep it all on track. And yeah. I remember, when speaking of old magazines, when we were doing Game Scoop as just an audio podcast, I yes. remember we were talking about this thing, when it first popped up, and then when they announced Enemy Unknown, and then I made a bet with Anthony Gallegos that right. Enemy Unknown would come out before the first person shooter. Yeah. I want a free pizza out of nice. the deal. <laughs> oh, I remember where I, where I was going with that was... Uh, was Wait, no, do you? No, it's, it's, it's gone again. Wait, no, yeah. it's, a, it's like a passing bus. Yeah. You just yeah. catch part no, of the building. I was going to know. Our, uh, our evolution of XCOM, uh, evolution of the Bureau feature on IGN, yes. that is where the public, the only public footage of those original two versions are. <sighs> okay. okay. It was a walk, yeah. but we got there. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but it gives you, it gives you, an, with me. It gives you an idea of how, how it's changed. And uh, you know, 2K Marin insists that, that from their point of view, it's been a very gradual change. Like they, they've been working on it. Uh, every day and, and seeing a very gra gradual change, but mm -hmm. for, for people on the outside, everybody like us, um, it looks like a very dramatic change right. because the, the original version was much more, um, much less conventional. Uh, this one had a bunch of mechanics in it that, like, you would go out and investigate a, an alien incident and you would find these, these angry black blobs, like, jumping on people and possessing them <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, and you take photos yeah. of. So of... You, couldn't, you couldn't kill them initially. Right. So rather than trying to fight them, you would just kind of observe and try and try and maybe gather some slime samples. Oh, it's killing that girl. Then you would, yeah, <laughs> then you would you would take that back to your base and research it and find out. Okay, here's how we kill these things. Turns out, fire. Um, and then you would go back out next time you encountered them. Then you could fight them. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a, a version like an idea that I had never seen in a game before. And it was very quiet, very creepy. It reminded me a lot of BioShock 1, which was probably not a coincidence because uh, development was was largely actually happening Marin, at 2K Marin but also at uh, 2K's Australia arm who also helped out Irrational with BioShock 1. Right. So they're all very BioShock and influenced studios. Mm -hmm. Although I didn't I didn't really get the the vibe that it was it was it was going to play like Bi BioShock. Because Bioshock, well, I'm just talking about more of the, the, the tone of yeah, the game. Yeah, the look and feel. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> but it like it didn't look like it was going to play anything like Bioshock, other than that they both had first-person shooter elements sure. to them. So and you know, it was that perspective, and you know, the, of course the the art designers are, are going to be shared between them, so it's going to have a, a look that, that's similar. But but the gameplay didn't look anything like it, and like that that's that's to me what's kind of disappointing about the about the bureau. Is that not that I think it's going to be a bad game? Like no. it looks like a perfectly good game. Like if if you like tactical combat uh, from Brothers in Arms or uh, Mass Effect, uh, th those series, and mm -hmm. I do, I like that kind of combat. Um, I'm sure it's going to be. Why is there always a fly oh. in here? Yeah. He was here. There was a fly in here last time. Yeah, he was here at up at noon too. It's the okay. same fly. What do we call him? He's the fourth panelist. <laughs> yeah, give him a name. Stephen. Yeah. The <laughs> Stephen, Stephen the fly. The fly. Let's call him Brundlefly. Grendelfly? Is that Grendel? yeah, Jeff Goldblum? Is it Brundlefly? Oh, that was Grendelfly. Grendel I can't remember the name. Anyway, Steve. <laughs> His name is Steve the Fly. Jeff Goldblum. We'll call I love him that. You, <laughs> anyway, uh, what 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 uh, throws me about this one is is that it feels so much safer than than the the original because that was that was a mm. bunch of new ideas that I'd never seen before. Whereas this one is. Uh, you know, built on kind of a, a bedrock of, of third-person tactical shooters that we've all played before. So maybe safer, but also, well, so I haven't seen the game, but from the footage I've seen, 
it looks more like an XCOM game. XCOM game, at least what you expect from XCOM. It does and it doesn't. Um, I mean, they've, they've brought in the same, like the sectoids, which are the little right. gray aliens, and they brought in mutons, and the the gray, the, the black blobs are, are, are now called uh, silicoids, which is actually a, a reference to an original species of alien in uh, XCOM UFO Defense, which is the 1994 version, mm -hmm. um, that got cut from Enemy Unknown. Right. But actually, reading reading the preview, they were still talking about real time, right? And I mean, like, oh yeah, yeah, it's it's all it's it's real time combat, just like Mass Effect and and uh, Borderlands. Oh, sorry, uh, Brothers in Arms. You pause it to give orders, but all the all the action happens in in real time. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's not turn based. No, yeah. we liked we liked the demo. Nope. Time that we saw back in 2010. Oh, I did. No, I this, this did. was one of those like one of those rare moments <clears throat> where I was totally the outlier of the entire IGN office. They showed us that demo in the old demo room, mm -hmm. and everybody walked out, and Hillary was like, "That was awesome," and I was like, "That looked like another first-person shooter. Mm. That looked like another boring first-person shooter." That it, they didn't. What I saw wasn't the. Hey, we're gonna research you and do this. It was, oh my God, black blob. <laughs> over and over and over again, and then running around. And then there were these down moments where there wasn't anything happening. It was like kind of weird and walking around. Yeah, I like, that's why I liked it because like, yeah. it was the pace was so slow, and it was sort of intentionally a very very quiet game until you know weird geometric shapes started filling the sky and and attacking you and. It sort of it ebbed and flowed, I thought, very well in the, the demo, the original demo of the game. Sure. Yeah, I like the setting of it, you know, 1950s suburbia is yeah. like where, where we saw. Now they bumped up to the 60s, right? Yeah, That's correct. Takes place. 62. And, yeah. uh, their, their reasoning for that was, was that uh, they, they said, like, people couldn't really distinguish the, the 40s from the 50s. Like, if you, if you see uh, two games set in 40s and 50s, there's not a whole lot of difference, but if yeah. you go into, into the 60s, then things start to look very distinct. Mm -hmm. So, after seeing... Uh, <laughs> the, the Bureau X kind of classified. <laughs> Do you guys both agree that you sort of preferred what it looks like back in 2010? I mean, personally, yes. I, I, I think I would rather have played that game just because, again, it was, it was a very different idea that I hadn't played before. Mm. Um, like, if, if they had kept those mechanics and made it a third-person tactical shooter, I would be totally fine with that. It, I'm just disappointed to see that they have, they have stripped out a bunch of the stuff that I was excited about in favor of making it a much more uh, traditional, linear Shooter. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. I was I was very fascinated by the 2010 version, and then we're actually we haven't even talked about there was another version in between the two versions we're talking about, the 2011 version, yeah. which kept first person, uh, sort of kept the setting, but but made it uh, a lot very very Brothers in Armsy, where as I said at the, the top of the show, it was you know there's the various hand signals and squad orders, and and you know, I saw that one at E3 and went okay wow they've changed this a lot and. I just not quite as excited. And now this this ultimate the bureau version, which you know just more or less tweaks off of the 2011 version, kind of the same way. Or I just I can't. It's it's not fair to the game really. But Steve, what do you <laughs> do? You have a comment? Uh, or it's it's totally not fair to the game. But uh, you know, having seen the previous two, yeah. I just I still. I can't get back to that level of hype I had for the for the original 2010 showing. But Greg, are you interested in yeah? What, it, what, what I saw today and what I read today, I thought it sounded cool. It looked yeah. cool. They, it looks like they're wearing proton packs, so I'm, I'm a big fan yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, you know, I liked Enemy Unknown <clears throat> so much, and I, I, I like that visual style. And so that I, first person shooters, I feel like you lose telling a story or who these characters are in a certain way, as far as who you are. Uh, so I really like the fact that yeah, it will be third person. You will be running around doing these different things. Yeah. So I find it interesting. I mean, I know there are so many other larger business forces at work, but you could, from a from an outsider, top-down perspective, you could kind of look at it and go, well, gee, if, if they had just made that 2010 version and maybe called it something else, yeah. they could have had it out 
by let's say 2012 sure. and been working on uh, you know Bureau two or whatever it would have been called for next gen for next year instead they're you know how many years in development and only yeah. just now about to get this out but I know there are again mightier yeah. business forces at work than that That's yeah I mean, it, it's a gross oversimplification it's it's super easy for for you know pretty much anybody to sit, to sit down and say oh they, sh they should take more risks right. and I, I wish they would but you know th then you think about hey they they are putting you know millions of dollars and years of their lives into into making a game that sure. if it fails they're all out of jobs they very, lose their that's houses. very true. Um, so, like, that's that's why they don't take a lot of risks. How did the last XCOM do? How did Enemy Unknown Enemy do? Yeah, they did well. I think yeah. better than yeah. expected. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was both. It was cr critically received well too. Yeah. Also, I was wondering. You know, they announced XCOM in 2010. Who knows when they started developing developing it? At what point do they start working on Enemy Unknown? They started working. Well, that was on, a separate. Yeah. That that was a, a, a four year development. I think four or five. Four years. years? Yes. Wow. Quite so good. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, uh, they, they spent a long time on, on, on iterating on that. They just didn't announce it until the year it came out, which, you know, is, is, is yeah. I mean, like, if, if they hadn't announced, uh, you know, the Bureau, what ended up being the Bureau, uh, until the year it came out, we wouldn't have be having this conversation at all. Yeah. We should be thankful, too, because uh, 2K is a publisher that has a, a, an established track record of giving its developers lots of chances and pretty much as much time as they want to work on games. I mean, Mafia 2 was in development for like seven years. And this is a game, yeah. the Bureau is a game where, uh, under another publisher's watch, probably would have been canceled like when they first you know, maybe tried to switch off. If, if the 2010 version wasn't working, they would have said, okay, canceled, and then you know, maybe still laid off all those people or, or scattered them to other projects. So um, it's, we are kind of lucky to be getting the Bureau at all. Mm -hmm. So It has a release date, right? August, August 20th. August 20th. I guess we'll find out then how uh, the latest XCOM version ended up. But thanks, guys. Stay tuned for lots more from IGN GameScoop very soon. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hadfield. I'm joined today by Greg Miller, Demascara, Audrey Drake, Colin Moriarty, and very special guest, Zach Scott, is joining us on the line here. He's a very popular YouTube personality, well over 100 million views on his YouTube channels. And he's joining us today because we're talking about YouTube and Nintendo. Nintendo has begun claiming ad revenue on, on user-created YouTube videos featuring its games, videos very much like the ones our friend Zach creates. Mm. Uh, so you do like let's play videos? Is that is that a, an accurate description of your work, Zach? That is very accurate, especially on my Zach Scott Games channel. I do let's play videos mostly. And you've been doing this for a while? Uh, yeah, a little over two years, I believe. Okay. And so you uh, you do a lot of Nintendo games? I do some Nintendo games. Uh, recently, I've been doing a lot more because I have been able to record my 3DS, and they've been coming out with a lot more awesome 3DS games. So I've sure. been doing a lot more Nintendo games lately. Audrey's been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. A lot. A yeah, lot. just Audrey playing it. I'm so sorry, Greg. Forgive me. Well, so now, now Nintendo wants a cut of what you're doing. Is that, is that fair? Uh, essentially, yeah. That, that's pretty much what they said in their public statement. Yeah, they, they uh, want to claim the ad revenue from content featuring their content. Mm -hmm. 
So if people don't know the way YouTube works, right, YouTube. is that you become a partner, uh, you monetize your videos, and then yes. YouTube puts an ad in front of your video that the more people watch mm -hmm. and see that ad, the more money you get. Yeah. So now my, not Microsoft, Nintendo is saying that they want the money if you're doing a Let's Play of their game. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting, Zach, you put it into a Facebook post today, and you said in there that this is different than a movie or a TV show. You're not really bootlegging it in the same way. Do you want to talk about that? Well, yeah, I said that because some of the comments were, were comparing it to piracy, where you, you would distribute a whole movie or a whole song, and basically you're, you're delivering that entire experience that the movie or the song has to offer. Uh, with a video game, I think the experience is going to be different for each person. There are numerous, countless possibilities that can occur in any one video game, and my experience with a particular game uh, could be quite different than an experience that someone else uh, has and so if I'm if I'm doing a playthrough of a game, what you're getting is is my perception, my reaction, uh, my commentary. Uh, but you're not getting to actually interact with the game. I'm not distributing software. I'm not engaging in piracy. Uh, I'm just delivering delivering uh, my experience and sharing it with you guys or whoever's watching. And it and I think when I see something like that, it makes me want to play the game. If I just see a movie that someone is live streaming on some channel or something. I don't need to see that movie again because I've already had the complete and total experience that that movie has to offer. That's a really fascinating thing about sure. this case is that video games are the only really truly interactive form of art. So it's not exactly like a movie or music. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, Nintendo obviously they created the game; they have some stake in it. But yeah, like you said, the user is also creating their own experience. So it's a really gray, fuzzy area. I honestly see both sides. So the Let's Play video is a phenomenon that's come up, you know, over the last mm -hmm. few years during this generation, basically. Is this Nintendo being out of touch with gamers today? Like this, is, a lot of gamers have become very accustomed to both creating and watching Let's Play videos. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. Honestly, Nintendo generally tends to do their own thing, but yeah. I I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of this from more companies moving forward. I mean they're generally all trying to take more of a stake in YouTube and sites like that. So maybe they think that this will help with that. I don't know. What do you think, Colin? Yeah, I mean, I think if you get into the legal minutia of like what they're doing, they have every legal right to sure. do something like this. The 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 question really becomes: Is it smart for them to do? And right. like Nintendo clearly is very out of touch. Um, they really seem super out of touch in the sense that this is free advertising for their games. And while the 3DS is doing great, the Wii U is tanking. And so you would think that you would want, for instance, with Wii U Let's Plays, wherever people play New Super Mario Brothers, wherever you'd think you'd want people to be like, oh, I, you know. Yeah, I've never seen this game, watch this guy play, and maybe go pick it up or whatever. People were tweeting at me today that they, they picked up many games based on Let's Play yeah. you know, style videos on YouTube. Well, so, I mean, every day I get tweets about people watching the SimCity IGN Let's Plays I do, and them saying, like, oh, I see how you do cities. I know I don't want to do it the way you do it, and like, <laughs> you've inspired Aww. me to go buy it and stuff like that. So I totally see the fact that, yeah, it should drive sales. Yeah, this I totally agree with Colin. Like, I don't know if it's really smart in terms of they're getting rid of all their free advertising, but at the same time, they completely have the legal basis to do this. Yeah, it is yeah. their content that they create. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of like Greg and I always make fun of it. We watch football every weekend during the fall, and, and it's like, you know, you must have written consent from the NFL, NFL. to reproduce <laughs> anything. Like, because they're really serious about it. So, like, what happens is ESPN will license that, or ABC Sports, whatever, will license these things, Showtime, whatever you're watching, to like get footage of the games. But this is different because, you know, 
people aren't like trying to like you know break down football games on YouTube and like you know the professionals do that on TV. This is really different because it's 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 very it's homegrown. It's it's very grassroots. The the way Let's Plays have sprouted up on YouTube and, and other I guess competing services. It's just it's like a, a blunderous kind of thing Nintendo's doing here. It doesn't make any sense at all for them to do it because they don't need cash either. That can't possibly be the excuse. They're sitting on what fifteen billion dollars in cash. Like, they don't so, need the money from YouTube Let's Plays. It's, it's stubborn. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Greg, you have some experience with monetizing yeah. YouTube channels. I mean, YouTube.com, game over Greg. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like, Nintendo's sitting on this huge war chest. How much, how much money could they really see? I mean, sort of it's ta- we talked about, you know, that, you know, Nintendo does their own thing, right? And they always do this. And we keep seeing it with their systems and their setups and now this. And it's interesting to see the other side of it, right? Where when you're playing SimCity, it's like, oh, do you want to link it to Twitch right now and just stream it? You can do that right now. You see the PlayStation 4, they're like, there is a button on yeah. the controller to say, here it is, put it on Ustream. Now, Sony hasn't mentioned anything about monetizing that content, but I, I guess, theoretically, they could, right? They could be like, here, go ahead and stream our games, and then we'll serve ads on it. Yeah, and sure, but it might, it, off of that. I mean, I, I suspect it'll be part of, like, PlayStation Plus in the futures with Gaikai and all that kind of stuff, where they'll start charging for it and take money off the top just so you can do it. Yeah. But, like, you know, they Sony undoubtedly looks at this as being like, hey, share our game. You know, even, you might even be making fun of it, but sometimes when you see a, you know, a shitty game like Deadly Premonition or something, like, I, I kind of want to play that game. It's... It, it really has no downside to it. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like that's that's like what's really frustrating about. It. There's no downside to it. This isn't a company that needs money. This is a company that you know, 3DS again is doing well, but it's hard for people to do proper let's plays probably on 3DS. Most people, uh, you know, you can connect your Wii U to you know have the whole setup over there, get the, those games going on your. It just doesn't make any sense, man. It's it's frustrating because like Nintendo just seems to be making confusing decisions in many different ways, and this is just the next one. Yeah. yeah to go back to what you were saying, Greg, I don't know if this is so much about making more money for themselves. I mean, how how could it be? How much could they make right. from yeah. it? It seems more like they're just sort of putting their flag on this content, like this is ours, we own it. You know, you don't get to make money off of it. It's it's interesting to see them try to control the message, mm-hmm, right? Exactly. That's been the big thing with all these Nintendo directs too. They're like, yeah, we don't even need exactly. anybody else. We'll they're tell even you what we're talking about. traditional medium. They yeah. want to very closely control their message, how their games are presented. Mm-hmm. Zach, you make money off of your YouTube channels? Yes, sir. So yep. do you see this like as, uh, I don't know, do you stand to take a significant loss because of Nintendo's actions here? No, uh, most of my games are not Nintendo games that I play, and the ones that they've claimed, they've only, they've only claimed seven, and they all have very low views compared to some of the other Nintendo games, and, and also the other series I play. I play a lot of Minecraft, and you know, Notch of Minecraft has made public statements saying that he completely supports uh, you know, gamers doing Let's Play of, of his games, and he thinks that's how it should be throughout the industry. Hmm. So I guess the question is, Zach, do you think Nintendo's out of touch then? I think, I think they're... I, I wouldn't lump Nintendo, like, as a whole group out of touch. I'm sure if you ask any one individual in the company, you know, they all have differing opinions. I, I think what's probably happened is some, some subgroup of Nintendo uh, has decided to go this path. They've possibly maybe even outsourced uh, this. I can't really imagine an, a Nintendo employee... Uh, doing this, seeking out the videos and clicking, you know, like this is the this is one that I own and stuff like that. I imagine there's there's probably a group that they've contracted out to do this type of activity for them. Uh, it, that's pure speculation on my part. They, it could be, you know, Miyamoto doing this himself. I guess <laughs> <laughs> I'm done making games. I want that YouTube money. You see an epic meal time. It's just the next step in like Nintendo making confusing decisions by like making themselves more and more of a niche. Like, Audrey brought up the fact that, like, you know, like, they're not doing any of your press conference. They're doing, like, all these Nintendo Directs. They, like, want to control the message. You're, just pre- you're preaching to the choir. 
You're like making it harder for people to find your games. You're making it impossible for people to like like you know the fact that like you can make the opposite decision, for instance, and say like I really like that Nintendo is super liberal with this stuff. They let you do whatever they want with their products and stuff like that. And I'm gonna go support them. And I like this game or this soundtrack or whatever. It's just very confusing. No E3 press conference, so you have a Nintendo Direct, so you talk directly to the people that already know your product exists and probably already own it. Then you remove Let's Plays from people like Zach's channels that might be Minecraft fans, or they might like, you know, he might do PS3 stuff, yeah. and they're like, oh man, this, you know, you know, Lego City Undercover looks awesome because you know I saw Zach's Let's Play. I'm gonna go buy it. There, it's just it doesn't make any sense. There's, no, I'm telling you, there's no upside to this. It doesn't make any sense at all, other than the legalese of being like very strict with the the, the you know the letter of the law. That yeah. could, you know, but that seems weird too. Now maybe YouTube. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Zach. Well, I was I was going to say a lot of people you know try to bring up that I I have no legal basis to stand on, and I, I would agree with them on that. But this this issue hasn't really extended out into the legal realm yet because we're still entirely within just YouTube's terms of service. Uh, you know, I agree to the YouTube terms of service. Nintendo agrees to them. This is YouTube's content ID system that YouTube provides Nintendo, and I agree that you know if I upload footage that another copyright owner claims through their system that this is how it works. They get monetized like that. And so I'm not ever claiming that, you know, Nintendo has no right to do this. I think they do. I just and I I just don't think it's even really extended into the legal realm yet. And I don't know if Nintendo would want it to extend into the legal realm. Do you think a revenue sharing model where Nintendo shares that ad revenue with the content creators would have been a smarter way to go about it? I think it would have been smarter. I think it maybe even reaching out directly to the creators themselves would be even smarter than what they're doing now because it's all it all kind of has just a, a cold corporate feel about it. You know, I got notified via the YouTube system, and you know, I don't know who to talk to. I, I don't know who to talk to. You know, th through Nintendo, I can appeal it if I want to, but I don't really want to go through the trouble of you know attempting to jeopardize my account or my relation with Nintendo or anything like that. Mm. Audrey, you follow Nintendo very closely. How are you feeling about them? I mean, honestly, this came as a shock to me. You know, I I don't make Let's Plays videos personally. I make them for the site. So I'm interested to see how this will affect games journalism, our coverage yeah. of Nintendo. Uh, I'm interested to see how the fans react. This is They're the ones sure. who will probably take this the hardest. Um, from a legal standpoint, or just right or wrong, I think, you know, they have the right to do this. But I, I'm, it's a little confusing as to why they chose to do it now, why they actually, what they think they can gain from it. Zach, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Good luck with all of your future endeavors. For all of you watching at home, stay tuned for more from IGN GameScoop. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to IGN GameScoop. I am your host, Damon Hadfield. With me today is Greg Miller. Hi. Miss Shire. <laughs> Hello, Damon. And Marty Sleeve is Hi. here. Uh, let's check in with the listeners. Hey, hey listeners. listeners. Whoa. It's close. That was a photo finish. <laughs> <laughs> you have to slow that down to figure out who crossed the line first. Listeners, viewers, remember you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Tom from England did. Oh, it's me, Kim! <laughs> <laughs> hey, my friend Tom from England! Hip, hip, hip! <laughs> Tom, sorry Tom, says, Hello, governors. I've been listening to all your coverage of the Xbox One <laughs> reveal, and its heavy focus on the entertainment side has really made me think that they will have a problem. Mm, Let me explain yeah. here. If they want to appeal to the more mass market crowd, the crowd that might not care that much about games, then surely 
they will be blown out of the water by a product from a rival company that does all the entertainment things without the games for much less money. Yeah. I can see products coming in for $100 to $150 that will do that if it isn't going to be built into the TVs themselves in the coming years. We've talked about that before. Mm -hmm. Games is something other products and companies can't do, but all the other stuff everyone else can, so I think Sony might have the upper hand here. People who don't care about games won't buy an Xbox One. He finishes by saying, I think our TVs and satellite cable boxes will do a lot more during this next console generation, so I'm not sure the Xbox One will need all these features. Other things might supersede them. What do we think? He makes a lot of good points. Mm -hmm. Everyone right now is being way too quick to come out and say that Xbox is screwed. Yep. Totally. Yep. Yes. So many people yeah. are coming out and saying that, and it's really, they've put one foot forward, and they're, they, had the, they had all of the media's attention for one day on a stage all their own, and they chose to make it to this broad audience appeal. It's the opposite sure. of what Sony did. Sure. And now you come to E3, and you're going to show games, and yeah. then we're going to actually know what's going on. Yeah. I think they chose to show what was different between it and the Xbox 360. Like the fact that it plays games is, you know, that's not changing. Yeah, right? yeah. And we'll see those games soon. Sure. People are f people are acting like so. What is undeniable is that the Xbox One is an all-in-one entertainment device. Playing games is one of the many things it does. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas the, the PS4 is a, a video game console that does other things. Right. right. Yeah. So like those are the for what we know, right? Yeah. It's the same way that even for saying the PlayStation 4 is the gamer's machine, right? It's going to have Netflix. It's going to have Hulu. It's yeah. Gonna, they're going to talk about it. Talk about at E3. E3. So yeah. I think I think the the roles are kind of going to swap. Exactly. In a few weeks. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, you know, people are upset at the fact that it is this this broad entertainment device. It's almost as though they think they're losing something, like something's being taken away. Right, like how like, dare they try yeah. to appeal to a wider audience instead of catering directly to me right now. Yeah. It's still going to play games. Yeah. It's still right. going to play every game EA puts out, every game Ubisoft puts out, yep. and Activision. Like, like, and then at E3 you're going to see... It's just going to do all this extra stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. Hard, it's hard to watch a lot of gamers become hipsters, but that's the yeah. world we're living in. Yeah, they're being They stopped. don't want it to be that. They don't want everyone to own Xbox. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Games, is, games are my thing, and that's what me and my friends do, and that's, that's what makes us us. We yeah. don't go out there and try to... Rough and so, tumble with the jocks. And, well, I guess now that it's becoming that all-in-one box, right? Like the thing that my parents are going to want in their living room because it's everything they need. Suddenly, that's getting taken away from them. That special hobby is maybe being taken away from them because everybody's doing it, man. I grow up. Yeah. So right. my, the one, my one fear about this is if the console ends up being extremely expensive. Sure. And yeah. I, I particularly don't care about most of the features they talked about during the reveal. Right. I, I just want to play games. What about your fantasy NBA team, though? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen? If only I had a computer for that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just wanted to play games, but if it ends up being $600, $500, I can't, I can't I hope it's not. Yeah. I mean, if it has a subscription fee, like, this is all going to worry me. <laughs> from the PlayStation You're going to get two US dollars. <laughs> I, I would have to guess it would be around the $400 range, but yeah. that is expensive for someone who, you know, like a Roku or an Apple TV is like 100 bucks. Right? Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's like that, if they're competing with that, it's like, why would anybody pay yeah. four times as much? And that's, that is the uphill battle I think they face right now and why it was such an interesting move in the grand scheme of things to focus on the entertainment, right, and come out and try to get the casual gamers. My mother heard about this and has no interest in buying an Xbox mm -hmm. One. You know what I mean? And nothing about it demanded her attention and demanded she get this now. You know what I mean? And I think there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh man, yeah, switching TVs, switching TV channels with my voice, that's cool, but like, there's something different about gamers, and I think we want to be early adopters and go out and buy this hardware and have yeah. it right away. And that was the big thing with the Wii, right? The Wii came out, and who were the first people to buy it? The first people to buy it were me. Oh my god, I'm going to yeah. play yeah. every NES game, and there's a Zelda on it. Yeah. And then my mom came over for Thanksgiving and saw this thing, and boy, yeah. it had such a great time. She it wasn't wanted until like it. the yeah. next Christmas when sure. things started really blowing up. Yeah, yeah. You know, the early adopters then go and evangelize the product. And I feel like 
based on this one conference, based on this one debut, Microsoft could be putting the cart in front of the horse on this one yeah. by saying, it's the entertainment machine, it's all you want, and that's cool, but casual consumers, casual people who just want to watch TV aren't super, in like, look at 3D TVs. Yeah. This oh, is a new way to experience TV. Yeah. Awesome. It's way too much money. I don't want to yeah. spend it on that. I have a and no one talked about that. It, like, come this year's CES, like, yeah. no yeah. one was talking about <laughs> yeah. 3D TVs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the big worries about the, the, the reveal and the moments afterwards were the mixed messaging. Yeah, that's, that's, the big big that, that's one thing that, that legitimately, like, it seems to me that they don't even know the answer to some of these questions. <clears throat> yeah. And we're only, you know, what, hypothetically six months away, five months away from when this console is going to be released. Right. So, you know, that, that is cause for some concern. Yeah. yeah. That that I get, I, I agree with, but positioning it as a broad entertainment device, I don't really see as being a problem. No, me I think it does remain to be seen whether it will have mass market appeal. You know, whether or not those people who wouldn't buy an Xbox 360 would buy an Xbox One. That remains to be seen. Yeah, but it's still going to be a gaming console. Like they're they're you're still going to still going to play all your games on it. You're not losing anything. You're yeah. not cutting games yeah. out of the. Console. By the time we come out of E3, like when we come back here after E3 and have this conversation again, like everything we're talking about now will be totally irrelevant because those questions will be answered and Hopefully we will have... I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. thanks if for you're watching this after E3, time. sorry for wasting your time. Enjoy the nuclear waste. <laughs> <laughs> but all of that stuff is going to be answered, right? Like Sony will, will have appealed to that wider audience because it already talked to people like us, the gamers who want the games. And Microsoft mm. will be zeroing in on our people uh, our people our at E3. Our, our people. <laughs> They're kicking in doors. They <laughs> we want to tell you about Gears of War. <laughs> They're going to be talking to the people who like, who want Halo, who want Fable, who want Quantum Break, who want all of these games that will probably be at E3, right? Mm -hmm. And Sony will be talking about services and all of this. It's going to be a level playing field after E3. We're going to know a lot about these consoles, maybe prices. See, that's the interesting thing is what is the balance of both conferences going to be? I still think Sony's going to come out and be really games focused. Oh, yeah, I they, agree. They, they already did their whole slot. They, they did what they should have done if they were appealing to gamers at the PS4 review event where they're like, and it has all these apps. Yeah. Of course yep. it still has Game Center. Of course yeah, it yeah. still has yep. this. Cool, you know about that. Let's talk about games. And I think they're going to come out and still do that. Yep. But what's going to be interesting for both of them, now Microsoft's come out and win back the, the, the yeah. really hardcore gamers and then at the same time deliver the crushing blow of how much this is going to cost both systems, right? Yeah. Like, and both people have this, oh, by the way, it's yeah. X hundreds of yeah. dollars, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I, don't know, I imagine Microsoft will focus hopefully primarily on games. Yeah. I think that was the whole point of getting you know, the other the entertainment stuff out of the way first. E3 is a specifically games-focused uh, They were very open from the beginning, right? Like, Microsoft said, this is a hardware reveal. This is yeah. the new Xbox, not here's 12 new Xbox games. Yeah. They hinted at it during the event, right? Like they said, we have 15 exclusives coming in yeah. the first year. Mm -hmm. the, and they're going to be showing some of those at E3. They were very open about the fact that this is not the games event. They're announcing, that, like Greg said, one foot forward. This is a two-part event that they're turning it into. And we yeah. see part two at E3, and we're going to come out the other side with a bigger, grander view of what this Xbox is mm -hmm. all about. Plus, you know, I like using my 360 a lot, but I don't look to Microsoft to provide the games for me. Like, the, like third parties provide all the games that sure. I play on Xbox. Yeah. Right? yeah. So they'll still be providing those. And the ones that they did show, I mean, that was smart of them to show sports and Call of Duty. Like, those yeah. are the things right. that, yeah. that same audience yeah. that's yep. going to want See, and that's stuff. why it was interesting. I think in the old school, your the early adopters are going to be your hardcore gamers, yeah. the people who want to play all this stuff. And Microsoft, I think, understands that the people who are really into 360, the reason the 360 is so big is that there are a lot of people who own a 360 just for Call of Duty and just for Madden. Yep. And so you go to them and you're like, hey, you already have these leagues, you already have these clans. Awesome. Now bring in your fantasy clans. Now bring in all these other yeah. different things to kind of have this experience where you never have to leave. This can be your one box for everything. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Mm -hmm. Thanks for your question, Tom. Yeah. Viewers and listeners, if you have your own questions, remember you can always send them to gamescoop at IGN.com. 
Stick around for more from IGM Gamescoop. there. This is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.